Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're going to discuss three of the top grossing Bollywood films of all time, all of which star Salman Khan. First up, 2014's action flick, Kick. Then 2015's social drama, Bajrani Bajan. And finally, the brand new romance, Prem Ratan Dan Payo, also from 2015. Welcome back, lovers. Yeah, we are currently recording on location at your <laughs> aunt's house. Yes, we're dog sitting again. So With us is dog Spats. <laughs> so if anyone hears a bark, he just wants to say hello. Um, but he's pretty quiet, so he's a good podcasting dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're lucky to have a good podcasting dog. So this week we are diving into our look at some of the top-grossing Bollywood films ever. Mm-hmm. And so a list that gets refreshed almost every year. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard to kind of. Um, do a definitive episode on a list of the top grossing films because it is shifting. And looking at uh, the list of the top 15 highest grossing Indian films worldwide, um, which we will say one of which is not a Bollywood film, the rest are, so 14 out of 15 of them are a Bollywood film. The oldest film is from 2009. Yeah. Um, and the majority of them are from 2014, 2015. Yeah, it gets refreshed fairly often as maybe more markets open up and, you know, more people are able to go to the movies more than once. Like, it's it's reflective of the audience's um, further being able to access movies mm-hmm. and being able to afford to go to them, too. Yeah, I think it speaks to Bollywood's growing popularity worldwide that mm-hmm. they are continuing to smash box office records. I mean, we see Hollywood smash box office records all the time. But, I mean, Titanic is still holding out there, and Avatar is still holding out there, whereas, yeah, with, you know, looking at the list in Bollywood, like, you know, the top two films are from 2014, 2015, yeah. and 2013, 20... The yeah. Hollywood one, they stay on so long that you do have, kind of have to adjust for inflation, like for mm-hmm. Titanic, whereas there is a really... Well, I guess if you adjust it for inflation, you know, you'd still have DDLJ, maybe, and uh, a Shole. I mean, those ran forever and did... Bafo box office. Mm-hmm. So, but we're looking at the global gross figures. So this isn't just in India either. This is worldwide. Yeah, because I mean, we're Bollywood fans outside of India. Mm-hmm. We're in Canada, so we're interested in how these films are playing to a global audience. This is money that we spent going to these movies that went into this. It is. We did see some of these movies in theaters, and I do want to say that um, you know, while we're interested in. All aspects of Bollywood, you know, big films, small films, um, <clears throat> films with lots of stars, films with up-and-coming stars, films by clear auteurs, but also, you know, commercial and popular films. And I think if you want to understand another inter- industry, another culture's popular culture, looking at the highest grossing films, looking at what is most popular that they have to offer, I think is a good way to start to understand some of the tropes and mm-hmm. the obviously the stars and just the rhythms of of that industry. This is something I think we talked about in one of the early episodes, but mm-hmm. we do kind of get a skewed view of what world cinema means, especially around Oscar time, because you see right. the art movies that were submitted for awards. So you would be, you know, not potentially wrong in thinking um, that all you see of French movies is black and white, people smoking cigarettes. Right. Like, that's that's the common perception we have based on what we are given access to, based on what they think is going to sell here. 
But what Bollywood, about world cinema? Yeah, world cinema in quotes. But mm-hmm. here's what actual people across the world enjoy watching. This is this is the people's cinema. Yeah, this is populist. Um, and so what's really interesting, I think, right off the bat, looking at this list, um, is that the majority of the films are from the three cons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hey, there's, they're they're you know they're dynamite for a reason. Those guys. So there's obviously three from Salman Khan. Uh, three films that are all very different. And yeah. we'll be talking about them later. Yes. Um, but also a number Let's just from go through the list. Amir Khan. Yeah. yeah. So at the top we have uh, Amir Khan's PK, which is a film you still haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and it's my and own fault. And by you, I mean Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's my own fault. This one's on Netflix, so I really don't have a... Is it on Netflix? I think it is, yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, it's definitely available, and I just haven't got around to watching it, but... We haven't done an episode on it, so yeah. that's something we'll get to probably when we talk about religion. Yeah, we'll get to it soon. Um, it's a fascinating film. Uh, yeah, it's a religious satire, and it like I find it amazing that a religious satire is the t- currently the top-grossing Indian film ever. Yeah. Um, then we have Khan, Salman Khan's Bajrani Bajan, Bajan, which we'll talk about. Um, the third entry on the list is the only non-Bollywood film, and that is Baku Bali, The Beginning, which is a film that we have seen in theaters. And I think we even spoke about it a little bit when it, on our show when it came out. Yeah, it is um, currently the most expensive Bollywood film ever made. Indian film. So, sorry, yes, Indian film. Yeah. Um, and while it isn't technically a Bollywood film in that it's not in Hindi, it was co-produced by Karen Johar. Yeah. So it does have some Bollywood DNA, mm-hmm. um, but it is a. I, I do think it's a must-watch if you are interested in kind of you know global blockbusters and weird fantasy films and like it's it's. I will not. I don't think we'll ever do an episode on it because technically it's not a Hindi film. Yeah. But man, is that a weird and kind of it's fascinating fun. movie? I think it's also kind of racist. I think we brought it up in when we talked about it earlier. But if you like you know epic fantasy battles. If you like to play Dynasty Warriors video games, <laughs> you get to see lots of, you know, cool battle scenes and interesting tactics and stuff. The oh. thing with the big flags that fly over yeah. is amazing. So and it's worth it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you like spectacle. Yeah, and the sequel will be coming out later this year. It's Bahubali the ending, right? Or Bahubali the continuation. Or the conclusion, yeah. something like that. It's funny that, you know, the subtitle, the beginning and then the second one is the end or whatever. Like yeah. why even have a subtitle? Just call it Bahubali to the end. Um, then we have Doom 3 from 2013, another film that Matt and I saw in theaters, another Amir Khan first, film. This is the first Bollywood movie I saw in theaters, I think. Doom Can you 3? believe we're at, in the top five, there's no Shahrukh Khan film. Shahrukh yeah. Khan doesn't come in until Chennai Express, which yeah. is at number six. But uh, Doom 3, that was, I think, the first one we went to in theaters with me. Yeah. So, fond memories of Doom 3. Great it's what movie. started this love affair, right, Matt? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, if you like the Fast and the Furious films, this is definitely an appearance. Yeah. Um, then Prem Ratam Tanapayo, which we will be talking about later on in this podcast. Um, and then coming in at number six is the first Shah Rukh Khan film. I, I find it kind of incredible that Shah Rukh Khan doesn't rank in the top five currently. Well, I think a few of his got knocked down. So Yeah. yeah. Well, and he has some films coming up this year, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, fan looks really interesting. Raiz looks really good. I don't know if... I don't know if either of those are going to... Land. They don't have the whole masala, you know, thing going for them. But they they certainly look interesting. Yeah, and from what I understand, globally, Shah Rukh Khan is still a huge box office draw. But in India, his 
popularity is starting to wane. Mm. Um, that's that's the impression I've been given from from what I've been reading online. Mm. I don't necessarily know if that's true, obviously, because we are not in India, but that's what I've been led to believe. Um, and certainly with his latest release, um, Dawale, which went up against Bajram Stani, it did a lot more business. Dawale did a lot more business globally than it did in India. Bajram Astani ended up doing more business within India. And that was kind of pitched as a artistic versus um, purely commercial movie. Yeah. And as you'll see, Bajram Astani is not too far behind for being no, the art film. No, it's not too far behind. So Chennai Express comes in at number six, 2013 films uh, directed by Rohit Shetty that I loathe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure has, we'll talk about it at some point. It has Deepak in it, right? Yeah. The same yeah. director as Diwale. Yeah. Um, but before Diwale, after Chennai Express, we have Three Idiots. Great movie. Yeah. The oldest film on this list and um, a all, all-time classic. We'll have to talk about it at some point. It's so good. We'll do an Amir Khan episode or something because he's a blind spot in our coverage so far. But we do really like his We films. do. Yeah. We love We've Amir. seen lots of him. Um, then we have Diwale. Which we spoke about on a previous episode. Um, and Diwale could still move on this list because it's, um, box office hasn't been completely collected. I'm not entirely sure if this is including video on demand and other things, so that might also go up. Yeah, this is just a list on Wikipedia, so, yeah. you know, take, take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, and then Happy New Year. Happy New Year, half a good movie. <laughs> the other half, a little bit silly, but... A candy-coated, delightful confection, nonetheless. Yeah, another Shah Rukh Khan film. Probably the best premise for any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, but with the disappointing kind of follow-through. Yeah, he yeah. plays he plays a master thief who gets together a team to steal some diamonds, but they have to infiltrate a dance competition. It's 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 very fun, but I wouldn't say go out and watch it right away. Mm-hmm. And then we get to kick. Another film we'll be discussing in this episode. And then, finally, Krish 3, the first film on this list, with the exception of Bahubali, the first Bollywood film on this list that doesn't star one of the three cons. That's in, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible that so much of kind of the the commercial cinema in this industry is dominated by these three men. These three yeah. hunks, powerhouses, box office dynamite. Like, but, like, if you look at the American list, it's a lot of... Superheroes, so we yeah. could say that in the West, rather than star power, franchise power is what uh, is behind most of the uh, movie sales now. That's true. So it's not like the West is attracting a wider range of ta- uh, talent in our top-grossing films. It's more people are into a certain universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Three is a actually a, a superhero, superhero film, movie, yeah, uh, starring Rithik Roshan. That is a lot of fun. Features manimals. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we have a big Krish 3 movie poster on our wall that my good friend Alan gave us. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, and then we have Bajra Mustani, probably my favorite film on this list. Uh, all the Three Idiots. Is three, idiots three Idiots is great. Um, and coming up, there's a couple others that I like a lot. But Bajra Mustani, we talked about at length with Julia yeah. in this house, by the way. Yeah. Last time we were on location. Yeah, try so. not to break a chair this time, Matt. Yeah, I'll try not to break a chair and do any other hilarious pratfalls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the edited version of that podcast. Bajra <laughs> <laughs> um, Mastani, I really sticks out to me on this list as well as the last film on the list um, as not having that kind of masculine star power that the other ones have. Ranveer Singh, um, while clearly very masculine, is not the same kind of performer, doesn't have the same kind of cachet that I think um, the three cons and Rithik Roshan has. He's macho, but not really in that sort of, you know... I'm the center of the universe, even though 
It seems like in real life he kind of likes to think he is, but... Uh, um, <laughs> but he's the center of my universe. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the way he... Like, the character he portrays in that film is a lot more nuanced, let's say, than some of the um, superheroic yeah. um, characters in these other ones. And I don't think that he himself is necessarily the draw to that film, but certainly the kind of the triangle of him, Priyanka Chopra, Deepika Padukone, as well as director Sanjay Leela Bansali. Yeah. Um, and then we have a Bang Bang. Another <laughs> Rithik Roshan joint. A remake of uh, uh, Night and Day yeah. featuring Cameron Diaz and uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. There was a good episode of the Split Screen podcast comparing those two. Mm-hmm. I, I like Bang Bang. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're looking for just a, you know entertaining time at the movies, I'd give that a shot. Um, then we have uh, Ek the Tiger, which is a Salman Khan film that we won't be discussing in this episode. And it's directed by the same guy who did... Um, Bajani Bajan. Bajani yeah. Bajan. So, Kabir Khan. Uh, a slightly different take on the India-Pakistan relationship, let's say. Um, I will say, though, uh, Ek the Tiger is my favorite of the four Salman Khan films on this list. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's too bad we're not talking about it. It's good. I, I like it quite a bit. I think I might like Bajani Bajan a bit more. Yeah. But, uh... We do have plans for Act the Tag in the future. And then, finally, the last thing on the list of the 15th film is Yed Jawani Hai Jawani, um, which I'm sad to see as the last film, because I know it'll get booted off sometimes later this year, and Yed Jawani Hai Jawani is a wonderful film. Yeah. Um, also of interest, looking at this list, we've got Chennai Express, Happy New Year... Bajramastani, Yejwani Haidivani. That's three featuring Deepika Padukone. No, four. F- four featuring Deepika Padukone, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she's in as many in this top 15 as, what, as Amir Khan, right? Mm-hmm. PK, Doom 3, Three Idiots. Well, she's in more than he is. Yeah, she's so in she, as many as Salman Khan is. Yeah, so she's the the sneaky outsider in this group. Yeah, and bringing then, her star power in a more subtle way. She's in more than Rithik Roshan, and then if you look at the SRK films, we have Chennai Express, Diwali, Happy New Year. And that's it. She's in more <laughs> movies on this list than Shah Khan is. Yeah, she's the she's the stealth bomber bringing the money along with her. Unfortunately, she has uh, no Bollywood films coming up this year that I know of because she's working on Triple uh, X colon The Return of Xander Cage. Which presumably will make more money than any movie on this list. It certainly yeah, it might. costs a lot more than any of these. It, it might. I guess we'll have to see. Um, the Fast and the Furious movies do, but some of Vin Diesel's kind of um, other franchises don't. So like Riddick... Yeah, Riddick, Riddick does ones. not do Fast and the Furious money. And they're expensive money. to make. As are ours, the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and like the last Witch Hunter didn't certainly didn't make Fast and the Furious money. I think, and I don't think the trip, the first Triple X did that well. That being said, I'm so looking forward to this Triple X movie. I think it's going to be great. But yeah, she's almost like uh, if you look at um, a list of Hollywood actors and actresses who are essentially worth the most money. She's like Samuel L. Jackson, who is in a ton of huge grossing movies, but he's not really the main attraction. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think she started to become the main attraction, because yeah. certainly in Bajro, I mean, not so much in Chennai Express and Happy New Year. She's, Those are she's, she's, she's the main character of Yejewani High Divine. Yeah, and Bajro Mastani, I'd say. Like, yeah. I think I think you're really dealing with some co-leads with Bajro Mastani. Yejewani yeah. uh, High Divani also stars Rambir Kapoor, Aditya Roy Kapoor, and Kalki Kochalan. And is 
like wonderful coming of age yeah. romantic film that you know I remember after we watched this film for the first time Matt you were just like why can't Hollywood make movies like this yeah also of interest on this list again opposed to Hollywood which maybe we should pull off that list just to make sure yeah you want me to pull up the list like look at the look at the variety of different styles of movie we have here so we have mm-hmm. PK which is an alien slash <laughs> religion film Bajani Bajani, which is, I guess you'd call a social issue religion film. Yeah, right? yeah. Both the top two films deal quite interestingly with aspects of religion and prejudice. Yeah, Bahubali, which is kind of set in the <laughs> past, but definitely like a fantasy adventure film. Doom 3, which is a heist movie, essentially, with, car, motorbikes. with motorbike chases. Prem Ratan Dan Paya, which I'm not actually even sure what it is. It's a romance. It's a romantic <laughs> comedy set in a place that I'm not even sure would even exist. Uh, Chennai Express is a romantic comedy. Yeah, it's like, but it's got some action in it. It's like a road trip movie. Yeah. Three Idiots is kind of a social issue movie. It's but a also coming a, of age college film. Yeah, but like a kind of a bromance. There's a lot of things going on. And there's in a there. chase going on in it. Dilwale is, you know, car chasing, fighting, romance, <laughs> songs. I mean, it's the masala package. Uh, Happy New Year is a dance slash heist. Kick is. <laughs> Uh, another one that kind of defies explanation, but I'm going to say comedy adventure. Uh, Chris 3, superheroes, so that's closer to what's doing well in Hollywood right now. Bajra Amistani, historical romance. Uh, Bang Bang, action adventure, pretty action. easy, as is Ek the Tiger. And Yejuani, Heidi Vani, you know, coming of age romance. So there's a, I think there's a bigger diversity of what we're seeing here. Yeah, let's just pull up the Hollywood list quickly to compare. Okay, so we've found the Hollywood list now, and we're going to go through it. So, And this is not adjusted for inflation. If it was adjusted for inflation, Gone with the Wind would still be number one. Historical romance, Gone with the Wind. But we've got Avatar, which soon to be a franchise, but fantasy, adventure, sci-fi. Yeah. Titanic, historical romance, yeah. Star Wars The Force Awakens, which could probably come up to second place at some point, but that is your classic, you know, fantasy, adventure. Yeah, and again, space. a franchise. Jurassic World. Adventure um, franchise, The Avengers, superheroes, franchise, Furious, yeah, Se- Furious Seven, the seventh movie in the Fast and the Furious <laughs> franchise, Avengers: Age of Ultron, you know, superhero, Harry Potter, kind of an outlier, but also still a franchise, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, which is what the ninth movie in that series. There's been quite a few there. Uh, eighth. There were seven books, and then they split the last one into two. Yeah, Frozen, a bit of an outlier, but um, you know. Family animated film. Yeah. And then Iron Man 3, superhero. So, I guess we can keep going. Yeah, go down to all the way to yeah. 15. Minions, uh, family adventure, um, animated. Transformers, Dark of the Moon. I thought there was going to be more Transformers up here, but I guess they got kicked out by a lot of movies last year. But uh, that's the third Transformers film of the Michael Bay cycle, I think. Yeah, the 15th film here, Age of Extinction, or as I like to call it, Age of Extinction. Consent, Consent is, yeah. uh, is the latest one. Yeah, Lord of the Rings still uh, hanging on as well with uh, Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. 3. And Skyfall, surprisingly enough. Another um, franchise. Yeah. And if, you, and if you kind of scroll down the list, there's a lot of franchises where in the Bollywood list, I think we only really saw Doom, Doom 3 and Krish 3. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they're new movies. And so you can really see how star power as opposed to franchises is driving the box office in Bollywood. And also, like, a lot of these movies, especially, like, Avatar, Titanic, um, the top two, are really driven by 
um, kind of the allure special effects. And um, cost a lot to make. Yeah. Avatar, Titanic, some of the most expensive films of all time. Yeah, and both great movies. I'm going to totally stick my neck out there that I think James Cameron's awesome. Yeah, he's great, but he also spends a lot of money. Like, he's not... He is cost effective in that he makes movies that gross up two billion dollars, but it does cost two hundred, three hundred million to get there. Yeah. Whereas a Bollywood movie can cost a lot less. But we see nothing here, with the exception of Titanic and maybe Frozen, that wants to kind of take on some of the themes about you know again religion, class, identity that we see in not all but some of the list on the Bollywood film. Aaron coming in with a don't at me after that, but yes. What? <laughs> I'm sure someone could make a bullshit argument that Jurassic World is about racism or something. Okay. But, well, yeah. I mean, like, Titanic is very much about class, and I think, like, Frozen has the yeah. a, a kind of a feminist narrative in it. But compared to, you know, films like PK, Bajani Bajan, um, again, not all the movies on the list, you know, some of them are just straight up fun action movies, but I think, especially those top two films, really have some things to say. Three Idiots also has, like, some really powerful things to say. Yeah. Um, I guess, while I like a lot of these movies on the Hollywood list, I don't feel like they're as relevant to issues of, kind of, today as I feel like I get from some of the films on the Bollywood list. I'm just looking at the top 15 uh, Hollywood here, and I don't think I would re-watch any of them. I saw Star Wars, uh, Force Awakens, twice. Oh, I'd rewatch Titanic. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I would maybe watch Furious 7 again before Furious 8, but uh, Fast 8, whatever they're calling it. But, like, I don't know. These A lot of these were just the last entry in a franchise, and I don't really care. Yeah. So that takes us to uh, the first film up for discussion today. We're going to be going chronologically through these three films, even though um, they're placed differently in the ranking on the list. Um, and so our first film is uh, Kick. Yeah, directed by Sajid Nadiawala, starring Salman Khan, Jacqueline Fernandez, Randy Puda. Great Randy Puda. Yeah. And Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Also great Nawazuddin yeah. Siddiqui. And with a friendly by Nargis Fakhri. A great friendly. Yeah. Um, Excellent actors in this film. Listeners unfamiliar with Bollywood will recognize her most from a uh, guest appearance in the recent Paul Feig film Spy with Melissa McCarthy. You might actually call that an unfriendly because she spent the entirety of her scene trying to kill... Uh, um, Melissa McCarthy. And now she's up for an MTV Movie Award for Best Fight. Her and Melissa McCarthy. Like, that's awesome. It was a good fight. Way to go, Nargis Fakiri. It was a very cool fight. I I liked it. And Nargis Fakiri, I hope we get the chance to talk about her more on this podcast. Uh, She doesn't have a lot of films, um, but, like, she's from Queens. She's fascinating. She's a really really interesting uh, Kind of like Kelsey Coachman, a different sort of star. Yeah, she's ethnically Indian, but, again, like... If if you're really interested, look up some interviews with her um, where she talks about kind of her upbringing and coming to Bollywood because she's got a lot of really interesting things to say that I don't think a lot of other actresses or actors in Bollywood are really talking about. Yeah, so Kick is a remake of a Telugu film and made 377 crore worldwide. I don't really want to get into how the uh, Indian money system works, but... Well, it is... A- it is notable to be a part of the 100 crore club. Like, that's kind of what they're after, which is a, a billion rupees. That's something and that came up a lot in the movie Heroin as well. 
Yeah. Like that, that's, that's your imprimatur of being a star, is if you can open in the 100 Crore Club. Yeah, and it's worth saying that uh, Salman Khan, nine of his films have made it into the 100 Crore Club. Yeah, well, should um, we talk about him for a second before getting into the movies? Sure, he has become, you know, like box office dynamite. Yeah, um, Salman Khan... Basically, every movie he touches to lately gets yeah. turned into gold. And we have mentioned it before on the podcast, and we do have an episode coming up with uh, the movie jerks that you can find over on their feed where we talk about his passion project, Veer. Yeah, <laughs> a movie I really like. And yeah. uh, he also shows up in uh, Sawaria, the other film we talked about with the movie jerks. But he's a bit of a controversial figure. Um, he's been embroiled in court cases over accidentally in scare quotes we don't actually know it's alleged accidentally killing a man with his car yeah the guy was sleeping on the sidewalk and he ran him over while potentially having been drinking and driving so that has been in the court for a while and he was also got in trouble for potentially hunting a um endangered species on a nature preserve which is (laughs) that's a really interesting thing to be (laughs) alleged of doing and finally, uh, potential spousal abuse uh, uh, with Ashwarya uh, Ray. Yeah, we don't know uh, the legitimacy of all these claims. We bring them up because we do find that um, there's... He's a divisive figure. He is a divisive figure, yeah. We have some friends who really, you know, really think he's a thug and really dislike him. And then we have some friends who love him, you know, and think mm-hmm. that, you know, when he's on screen, they're... There's this magnetism, which I don't disagree with. I I kind of, like, straddle both these opinions of Salman Khan. And as I have said many, many times, although I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, if we only consumed art by good people, we'd have a lot less art to consume. And And also, what's what's good people, too? This is a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. Yeah. But someone who is accused of committing crimes, I mean, you don't have to be his best friend, but you can still watch a movie he was in. Exactly. So... He is a bit of a controversial figure, but despite this, you know, every time he's in a movie, it's a license to print money. Yeah. Supposedly just a gigantic audience of young Muslim men. That's kind of his, his bread and butter. Yeah. And he brings the brings the heat every single time. But, uh, yeah, I would fall on the side of liking Salman a lot. Um, I As a performer. As a performer. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really done the research to see what I think of his character, but I also, I'm trying to get away from thinking of movie stars as, you know, people that I really need to know a lot about their personal lives. I try yeah. to focus just on them in the films because, I mean, I don't want to become attached to somebody because I think I like them because I'm never going to meet Salman Khan. It doesn't matter what my opinion of him is. And I feel like it's it's counterproductive to talk about him outside of his performances. And we're 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 into close readings here on Bollywood is for Lovers, even though we do drool over shirtless Randy Puda and <laughs> shirtless Ranveer Singh, etc. Like um, there there's a variety of ways you can approach watching a film, and I'm trying to eliminate the star. Even though yeah. we're, so many of them are headed up by stars, so, so much of it is star potential. But I'm trying to watch the movies as movies. And you and I are of the opinion that it's not our place to judge the character of an individual. That's especially what, someone we don't know. Especially someone currently embroiled in court cases, because that's literally what the court is for. That's not us. Yeah, so it's not it's not our responsibility. But we do... It, it does lead to an interesting narrative. You know, this yeah. juxtaposition between this lovable 
huge star that you know who's, billions of fans flock to. Who's kind of a bad boy in his personal who's life. Kind of a bad boy, yeah. It would be like if Sean Penn was a a good actor and b <laughs> worth talking. About. Oh, Sean Penn is a good actor, Matt. Yeah. Well, someone needs to rewatch uh, I Am Sam. No, <laughs> yeah, no one needs to rewatch I Am Sam. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's return now to Kick that we've uh, gotten that little little seg side conversation about Salmon Khan out of the way. Mm-hmm. So Kick uh, stars Salmon Khan as a guy who he's just kind of a lovable goofus, which is. <laughs> Salmon's bread and butter for all three of these movies, really. That's kind of his default mode, it seems like. And yeah. Do you think a lot of people can identify with that that portrayal? Speaking as a lovable goofus myself, I feel that, you know, it's it's definitely a character type that I am attracted to. Oh, okay. Um, and he kind of runs into Jacqueline Fernandez and tries to start dating her, and she's not really into it. After a kind of hilarious uh, rickshaw motorbike thing scene <laughs> with, you know, he's essentially taking a bride and groom to get married, but the parents don't want them to get married, and he's also working with the parents. So, And he does this all for the kick. Yeah, that's this guy's thing. He, he just likes getting into over-the-top situations because he gets kicks. And, uh, he doesn't like working, he can't hold a day job, doesn't give him enough kicks. He also, <laughs> uh, we learn later, is a genius who <laughs> has like two degrees, he just gets bored whenever he gets a job. So he uh, he's one of those guys that wants adventure, he's an adrenaline junkie. And after meeting Jacqueline Fernandez, he gets wrapped up in a international <laughs> heist uh, adventure story, essentially. <laughs> Um, what happens is, this this is one of those bifurcated Bollywood movies where the first is kind of a fun romance, uh, told in, uh, flashback. Yeah. Uh, where Jacqueline Fernandez is talking to Randy Puda on a train. In Warsaw. In Warsaw, for some reason. <laughs> and, um, she tells, uh, Randy Puda about meeting Simon Khan, how they kind of fell for each other, well, how it took her a while to fall for him. He was, he was on board from the get-go. And... By the time they get to the station in Warsaw, you find out that Salman Khan has, in the meantime, become an international super criminal who wears <laughs> a mask, not unlike a Fantomas or something. Who goes by the name Devil. Who goes by the name Devil. His name is Dev, so his pseudonym of Devil. Yeah. It's an uncrackable code, and the cops are always one step behind Devil. Uh, the cops played by Randy Puda. Yeah. Yeah, who's been trying to hunt down his arch nemesis, Devil. Yeah, um, not quite as good as Mr. X from uh, <laughs> Doom 2, but Devil yeah. is a, you know, he uh, he's a fun master thief type who leaves a calling card of his little mask that he throws at people. And um, I honestly can't even tell you what the story is about by the end because it becomes very confusing. Well, okay, so Salman Khan then kind of infiltrates uh, Jacqueline Fernandez and Randy Puda's life. Um, Jacqueline Fernandez is a psychologist by pretending to have... Who he keeps calling Dr. Psycho in one of (laughs) my favorite little jokes of the movie. The other one is that whenever he says uh, he wants to get his kick, a voice in the background goes, (laughs) Cuckoo! 
This, is, this happens a lot more in the fun first half of the movie, less in the serious second half. But yeah, it's just a weird little note. So he reinfiltrates Jacqueline Fernandez, like who's also his ex-girlfriend by this point, um, and pretends to have amnesia. Yeah. So he can get you know close to Jacqueline Fernandez again, but he also jab, close. Jab, high John's her. Yeah. Also close to Randy Puda, who is also trying to be with Jacqueline Fernandez. Yes, and then uh, Nawazuddin Siddiqui figures as this kind of. Like, maniacal rich man who is He runs a pharmaceutical company and is stealing money from orphans, right? From children. Children using them for experiments, something like that. But he's he's essentially just a supervillain. Yeah. This, I mean, this film really wants to have its cake and eat its too. It wants to, like, have this nice, like, silly romantic comedy. It wants to have this, these big action set pieces. And the big action set pieces in Warsaw, I do think, are... Uh, compelling. You know, there's mm-hmm. all this kind of running around on trains and stuff. He also cool. does the uh, the straight out of uh, Blazing Saddles move of taking yourself hostage and say, don't come near me, I'll kill me, get, get away. <laughs> and then he also jumps off a bridge at this point. But I, I do like that sort of, you know... Oh, there's no hostages around here. I'll be a hostage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the film has a, a strong kind of social message that it wants to make about uh, providing for children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes down hard on the should we be killing orphans question. <laughs> Definitive no from the film Kick on that. <laughs> but, yeah. This I mean, film is so messy. This is the second Salman Khan film I ever saw after Jai Ho, which is... Awful. It's like absolutely awful. Jai Ho named after the song. No, right? it's not named after the oh. song. <laughs> okay, well, that's something, I guess. Uh, the song being the uh, Pussycat Dolls and um, A.R. Raman. A.R. Raman song from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, anyways, yeah. nothing to do with the song, but a movie that like I really thought was ridiculous. Salvin Khan plays like someone who's still in college. I mean, the man is 50. <laughs> Well, in this one, he also plays like a 20-year-old again who has just gotten out of college. That's something you have to get used to when watching any of the three cons in a film, <laughs> is that they're all 50 years old, but they routinely play 17 to 30-year-olds. Yeah. With yeah. Salman, it's his eyes. You can tell that he's just, he's lived life. He's got such soulful eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is kind of a mess, but... I really like the songs. The songs are excellent, and if anything, I would recommend just checking them all out on YouTube. I don't know if it's worth sitting through the entire movie to see them all, Yeah. but the Friendly by Nargis, fantastic. You're going to hear it in a minute. Oh, yeah. I love that song, and she looks amazing. Yeah. He def- looks great, too. Definitely look up the YouTube video for Devil, the song we're going to play in a second here, because it's very, very cool. Um and the other songs, the drinking song is fun, features Aaron's favorite dance move of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they're in this, like, underground club in Warsaw that seems to also be a Sparks factory. A Sparks factory, there's hot coals falling from the yeah, sky. Yeah. Um, One of those types. This is during the period when Salman Khan is pretending he has amnesia, and he <laughs> meets up with Jacqueline Fernandez again at this strange club that doesn't seem like it would pass any sort of safety codes. No, it's post-Soviet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to impress her, he performs all these dance moves, one of which involves sticking 
her dress in his teeth and following her around. Kind of crab walking <laughs> behind her um, gradually lifting her skirt. He also does a good, like, ouch my balls dance in this. Excellent ouch my balls dance. Uh, one of the all-time greats. And uh, Jacqueline Fernandez has a great scene where then uh, she gets to break it down. And well, she gets a little bit, uh, you know, she gets a few pops in her and goes crazy. Yeah, she breaks it down. Also does some really kind of strange dance moves, but uh, if you've never seen Jacqueline Fernandez, she is a bombshell, and she puts on this, like, she rips well, she off rips her, off like, her, yeah, dress her coat and has coat, this, yeah. like, tight little red number, and it's it's pretty fun to watch. It's pretty silly. Um, I'm also a big fan of the Hangover song, Hangover, for my love for you, Yeah, uh, which, you know, makes a good... Uh, Double bill on your podcast playlist with the uh, Psy song, yes. <laughs> over. It even, yeah. Um, where Jackie Fernandez's outfits in, in that song are kind of amazing, I want to The flower arrangements are also really nice. Yeah, like lots of flowers all over cars. And snow. And snow. And, yeah, it's really nicely laid out. I mean, it feels like they just made the story up every day. Just, what's Kit going to get up to this time? But this is a remake. Like, this is a, is a Telugu remake. So I assume some of these elements, some of these story beats are coming from the original film, which I haven't seen. I know there is also a sequel for it. Some things also may have been lost in translation, let's say. Yeah, I can't say that um, the South Indian remakes are my favorite kind of, not subgenre, but... Um, brand of Bollywood film. Mm-hmm. Um, Tevar was also a South Indian remake. I mean, a few of them come out every yeah. year, and I do find them to be a little lackluster. There's always kind of something that doesn't really click. That being said, Gajini is also a South Indian remake, and I think it's awesome. Well, so. it's a South Indian remake of Memento, <laughs> so it had a pretty good foundation before becoming South Indian. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Kick... It looks good. I mean, this is what you get with a film industry that has a lot more original ideas. Like, they're not... Apart from this having been a remake, the original is not, like, a make, made from a book or anything. Yeah. Like, it's... It is a, it is a story thought of specifically for film. And sometimes you get great things out of that. And sometimes you get, you know, okay things. I think we also want to give a shout-out to Kathy Gibson of Access Bollywood, who on Twitter uh, drew our attention to Randy Puda's giant bulge yeah, <laughs> in this film. crotch bulge. And, yeah, and once you see it, thanks, you can't look away. Thanks, Kathy. I'm going to be checking out the crotch bulge in every other Randy Puda movie, even the really serious serial killer one that I'm probably going to watch next. <laughs> Just give me a look it up for that bulge, because it is very prominent in this film. Yeah, as soon as she pointed it out, we could not look away. Um, last thing I want to add is that Nawazuddin Siddiqui like, kind of goes a bit crazy here, and I, I'm into it. Yeah, I like him better in Bajrani Bajan, but uh, he does do good over the top. He's like a, like a Gary Oldman who can really like yeah. really go for it and also can play like a nice guy. But he gets like he does really cartoon villainy here. Yeah. Like really cartoonish over the top villainy. Well, I think that's a good place to uh, kick off our uh, <laughs> interval song here. So this is the song Devil from Kick and we'll see you on the other side. I'm not 
from the film Kick. Welcome back, lovers. Uh, we're now into our last two Salmon Khan films up for discussion today, both from 2015. Yeah, he had a pretty good year. I, I think he's been on a good decade, Yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of his films, if they don't, you know, again, crack that magic top 15 highest grossing list, um, they're cracking 100 core. Like, did I guess Veer would be the weird one, because that is a passion project that's also <laughs> an astoundingly strange movie. We'd have to look up how to see how well that did, but that's about 10 years ago now. So, yeah. I mean... It is interesting to see what he considered, you know, this is the one for me, beer. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to we'll get to beer at some point. Or listen to our Yeah, you'll, you'll listen to it jerks. on the movie jerks. We'll we'll uh, publicize it on our stuff, but uh, you can hear us go way in depth on beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bajani Bajan came out last year and was uh, a huge hit. I saw that it was playing in Edmonton for months. Yeah. You know, I mean, usually the, the Bollywood films, they, they play for a couple weeks, but Kajrani Bajan, you know, it it stayed in there while a lot of other films were coming and going. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me says, you know, not only do the numbers tell us it's a worldwide success, but locally, yeah. you know, it, it, it played really well. Do you want to do you want to set up this one for us, Matt? Sure. Directed by Kabir Khan, who also did Ek the Tiger, mm-hmm. uh, which is that is a spy versus spy, India versus Pakistan movie. Uh, this one with Katrina Kaif. With I, Katrina I Kaif. love Ek the yeah, Tiger. Ek the it's Tiger my is favorite. Really fun. But uh, Bajrani Bajan has a much more humanistic portrayal of the relationship between India and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Stars Salman Khan, Karina Kapoor. Nawazuddin Siddiqui again, and Harshali Malhotra, who was like six when she makes this movie, and she's really good. Yeah. She's a very good actress. Um, but it, uh, So Harshali Malhotra is a six-year-old girl from Pakistan who is born mute. Um, she's named after, her name is Shahida, named after Shahid, who is a famous uh, Pakistani cricketer. And uh, she kicks her mom while it's still in the womb, like, oh, I like cricket too. Uh, but she has a penchant for getting into trouble and also not being able to say anything to get some help because she is mute. Her mother takes her on a train ride into India to go to a specific shrine to pray to get her muteness fixed. And through a course of events involving a baby goat, she accidentally gets left in India, um, where she runs into Salman Khan, who plays a religious uh, devotee of Hanuman, who is in the same vein of a just decent guy who is kind of a lovable goof. And he can't lie. Yeah. He's very, very much a stickler for his religion. So he doesn't lie. He always, like, salutes at monkeys when he sees them. He uh, is the one of the lead performers in a large passion play type thing for Hanuman. And... He ends up taking um, this girl back into Pakistan. We names Mooney. He names her Mooney, and he's such a stickler that you know he's very, very strictly vegetarian. His girlfriend Karina Kapoor, he lives at their house after his father died. It also took him twenty years to make it through. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it took him ten years to make it through high school, and his father died. Which but, explains why uh, he, you know, he looks so old. Yeah. A little bit of a lampshade there. But uh, he lives with his uh, girlfriend's family. They are very, very strict Brahmins who live next door to a Muslim family. 
And they assume that little Shahida slash Muni is a Brahmin as well, because she's very light-skinned. Um, but they're dismayed to find out that she eats meat. So that kind of changes what caste they put her in. And then he eventually finds out she's a Muslim and essentially freaks out. Yeah. So And the, also that she's from Pakistan. Yeah. So through this character who is... I'm going to say he's quite naive at the beginning. He mm-hmm. does learn about Muslim people and Pakistan and realizes... Everyone's the same. Everyone wants to help a little kid. So, yeah. and it's actually kind of life affirming, honestly. Just uh, a movie that deals with um, relations with Islam in a way that is pretty nuanced for being a, you know, four quadrant movie that everyone liked. Like, it is actually kind of subtle in the way that Salman Khan's character develops and learns that everyone's the same. Um, what I didn't mention is that he gets her back into Pakistan the hard way because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a passport and she for sure doesn't have a passport and the border there is patrolled by military. So he sneaks into Pakistan where he meets up with, uh, Nawazuddin Siddiqui, who's a local reporter and, um, he, you know, it becomes a cause celebre because he doesn't know where she lives. She can't write anything down. She's too little. She, you know, they have to figure out where this little kid is from and it, yeah, Celebra. Uh, Nawazuddin Siddiqui starts reporting on this story and everyone kind of gets on board with it. Yeah, I... Halfway through this film, um, when we kind of reached an interval, which is a lot of Salman Khan and Karina Kapoor and them trying to take care of this kid and, uh, you know, learn all these things about her and, you know, have a delightful song about how she should eat chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really unsure about this film. Um, I'd heard a lot of praise for it, but halfway through I was like, I, I really, I, I don't know. This has been kind of silly and a kind of, I don't know, meandering, um, maybe a little overly sentimental. And then the second half of this oh, movie. Oh, it's, it's definitely a sentimental film. Yeah. And then the second half of this movie totally sold it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, once Salman Khan sneaks into Pakistan with this little girl and they meet up with Nawazuddin Siddiqui and the three of them kind of go on the lam to complete this mission and just, you know, confront uh, all of these ideas. Political, of, social, religious ideas. Yeah, you know, these these larger ideas about pre- prejudice and discrimination that they have. Um, but in such a humanistic way, I really warmed this film. I also think kind of like the uh, road trip through Pakistan, though I'm pretty sure they didn't film it in Pakistan, um, is beautiful. Yeah. And There's some a really good location of photography in there. Yeah, and the dynamic between those three characters feels so, like you said, life affirming. You know, there's mm-hmm. there when there's these extended scenes, you know, of of Nawazuddin Siddiqui filming the three of them, and you know, like one of he's the, uploading to YouTube. His, yeah, you know, he's not he's not working for a news agency. He's kind of a freelancer. He's gone on the lamb as well. But he uh, he becomes more and more famous himself as he reports on this. It is a human interest story, but it is, you know, of interest to everybody. And he himself becomes a bit more famous of a journalist. Yeah. But there's such, like, there's, like, these tiny, like, sweet shots where, like, Nawazuddin Siddiqui is, is after they have kind of stowed away in, like, a corn truck. They're carrying some corn, and Nawazuddin Siddiqui waves at Muni, and so she waves, and she drops all the corn that she's carrying, and then Mm -hmm. they have to pick it up. Like, it's, like, I mean, that's a... It's almost like a silent short gag, you know, like yeah. little things like that that really just, I think, 
bring out the texture in these characters that in the second half, I think, endears you to everything. Yeah. Where in the first half, I was feeling really cold. Um, specifically a sequence when uh, Karina Kapoor's father has essentially said, get this kid out of my house. This kid's not a Brahmin. This kid's mm-hmm. Muslim. Like, he's very prejudiced because he's never met anyone. Well, he remembers partition. So yeah. he remembered that going really poorly. And... I think his brother got killed or something. So he's very, very uh, prejudiced. But uh, someone finds a guy who we would probably consider a coyote, the uh, smugglers who get people from Mexico to the States. Um, Someone who could get this kid into Pakistan. And just by chance, really, he goes back to look at her before they go. And it looks like she's being sold into Child slavery, child bride, prostitution, something really bad. Yeah. He en- she ends up at a sleazy motel, and he beats all these guys up in classic Simon Khan fashion. And that's, it feels a little bit out of place. Like, this guy isn't an action hero. He's just a normal guy, but then he's, you know, punching people so hard that they do a flip through the air. It, it does that, and uh, later on he fights some cops in a similar way. But it... Yeah, I have. A, it has a few missteps, but on the whole, I was really into it. I have a really conflicted uh, like feelings towards that scene in in the brothel when he goes to save her because, on one hand, to me, it did seem like it was being shoehorned in there to give um, Salman Khan the opportunity to beat some guys up, which is something that kind of goes against the general tenure of tenor of his character mm-hmm. that we're seeing here. So it just kind of seemed like, okay, and now we're going to give him an excuse to punch well, some yeah. dudes because that's what it's, we want to see. Guy, well, this, this guy is driven, you know, this is the last straw. Yeah. This nice guy. Even he can be pushed too far. Yeah. It also left a bad taste in my mouth, kind of like the seediness and the opportunist opportunism of the brothel that were shown, especially of the women in the brothel that I just kind of wasn't sure about. And it kind of seemed out of place and what is otherwise, I think, a, a family-friendly film. I mean, this isn't, However, a, this isn't an Anurag Kashyap movie. That would be what that story would be if Anurag Kashyap was doing this movie. Yeah. Whereas this is a four-quadrant, bring-your-grandma film. Yeah. And it does just feel a little bit weird. But it does raise the stakes, mm-hmm. which I do think is important because it raises the stakes for the second half in that he can't trust anyone else to take care of this. Yeah. He has to do it himself. And so, and also, like... You know, as we know from Ugly, you know, the amount of children that go missing in India daily is depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while we're watching this film and we're thinking, you know, if this happened to a child, you know, between the Canadian and U.S. border, we'd have Amber Alerts. We'd have resources. But in in India, which is, you know, and, and the relationship between India and Pakistan, like this is a completely different uh, part of the world with, you know, kind of completely different resources. And Salman Khan can't rely on the authorities to help him get her back to her family. He can't rely he, on people yeah. he hires. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, in some respects, while it does seem off in the overall frame of the film to me, I think it does speak to the place in which the movie is being made. That this is a serious concern. Children do go missing, and this is one of the things that does happen to them. And I guess this is one of those Bollywood movies where public institutions are, in general, to be avoided, if not um, they're entirely corrupt. Yeah. I mean, they meet people along the way who are sympathetic, 
but those people either have to defy their authority to help them or just be, you know, avoided because there's stumble bums. I mean, uh, Salman runs into some military guards and he essentially convinces them that he's crazy because he kind of is at this point and that this little girl needs to get helped. There's some uh, cops even Nawazuddin Siddiqui is trying to pitch this story to the greater media, and they don't care. That yeah. It's not a if-it-bleeds-it-leads situation. It's just it's a kid. Who cares? It's a, it's a social interest story. It's a human yeah. interest story. Yeah, and, and I think, like, the power of um, Nawazuddin Siddiqui's telling this story to the public is really kind of where the strength of this film comes. When you see, like, you yourself and the audience start to become moved and then you see the people mm-hmm. in both India and Pakistan start to rally together. And be- so I think overall you become moved by this humanist solidarity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the ending of this film is, well, you know, a little over the top, a little melodramatic, is very moving. Yeah. It's- and I think it really kind of makes up for a first half, which I, I still don't think completely comes together. And one of the reasons, other than, you know, some of what we've already discussed, is because Karina Kapoor and Salman Khan have no chemistry in this film. No. Like, there's no reason to put this love interest of Karina Kapoor in. Like, mm-hmm. at all. Like, I just, I find that subplot really unnecessary. And there's no payoff to it. No. I mean, she falls in love with him, and then presumably they get married or something. But it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It just... Puts her family there to not really be into having a Muslim kid around. Yeah, but you could have done that without this sub. Like, you could have done that where he is, you know, staying with another family and these kinds of things happen um, without this romance that he's supposed to be having with Karina Kapoor. Like, I, I, I think it I comes honestly, with the territory. It, it's probably just them not having chemistry, but well, have, I honestly you, you kind of do need a romance in this movie yeah. because that's how these things go. Well, exactly. I was going to say, I honestly feel like it's there just so there's a romance to point to and just so there is, like, a female a, a female supporting character played by, you know, one of the most... Yeah. One of the most important current working actresses well, in Bollywood. the way you would do this, and as much as I love Nawazuddin Siddiqui, it would... The way you do it more organically to be have a female reporter that he meets in Pakistan. And then yeah. falls in love with her, and they would become like a little family in Pakistan while the train takes the Or game. he could fall in love with Nawazuddin Siddiqui. I mean, that <laughs> might be a bridge too far. We would be fine with that, but uh, <laughs> that might be a little bit too exciting for the general populace. Um, I do love Nawazuddin Siddiqui in this role. I think this is one of my favorite performances of him. And if you've only seen kind of his more... Uh, kind of darker and grittier roles in, you know, things like Gangs of Wasay Poor. Uh, it's or really, Kick as a maniacal supervillain. Yeah. It's really worth checking this out. This is more in line with his performance in The Lunchbox. Yes. Um, I, I, I love Nawazuddin Siddiqui's range. He's I, a great actor. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, so I think that, that sums up what we have to say about Bajrani Bajan. Yeah, let's move into our last uh, movie of the... Episode Prem Ratan Dan Paya, which means receive a treasure called love. I guess we should have said that Bajrani Bajan is brother Bajan, mm-hmm. which is what everyone in India and eventually Pakistan starts calling because they all like the guy. Yeah. They all the song. Okay, so Prem Ratan Dan Paya was directed by Suraj R. Bharatajia and was the last movie Salman Khan did this year. 
Last year. Last year. To Bafo box office. Yeah. It is... Uh, he's worked with this director on films called Mein Pierre Kia and Hum Apke Hain Kuhn. And this is kind of a continuation of a character he had in those earlier films named Prem. Well, I don't know... He I called Prem in this one, and it's, yeah. it's supposed to be a callback to his earlier roles. Exactly, but I don't know if there's any sort of like um, continuity between... No, I don't think there's continuity, yeah. but it is kind of... A continuity of remember back when he was doing these types of roles. Exactly. Well, come again. Nostalgia. Prem, yeah, Prem Dilwala, his name is, and he uh, uh, he occasionally gets called Dilwale by uh, one of the characters, but it's film stars Salman Khan again, Sonam Kapoor, Neil Nitin Mukesh, and Anupam Kerr. So Salman Khan in this one plays another lovable doofus, who, <laughs> alongside his buddy, is a actor who we see first doing a Ram Leela performance, mm-hmm. and. Uh, wouldn't you know it, he looks exactly the same as a <laughs> prince of a kingdom still in uh, uh, India, who, in a situation not unlike the novel The Prisoner of Zenda from the 19th century, um, the prince is taken out by nefarious forces in his kingdom, i.e. his little brother. Yeah. His and little it's... brother wants to become the king, and his he takes out his bigger brother. And this is an official adaptation of The Prisoner of Zenda. It, it is. is. Uh, yeah, it is listed on screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they played the rights for that novel. I no, imagine it's, it's, it's in it's, public it's domain. It's in the public domain. It's really old. Yeah, and I, I haven't read The Prisoner of Zenda, so I don't know how accurate this film is to that story. But I imagine there's not a scene in which um, the hapless uh, peasant and the fiancé to the king have to play soccer in order to regain the love and trust of the king's estranged stepsister. It's definitely my favorite scene in the film. So uh, Prem gets called in to become the king, the prince. He's a king. He's a prince? Prince. He's a prince. Prince king. He gets called in to uh, cover for him at a few official functions while the prince convalesces. So the prince is set up to marry Sonam Kapoor, who's a princess from a rival kingdom, and who uh, Prem, wouldn't you know it, already has a crush on because yeah. she uh, works for Doctors Without Borders and kind of a Princess Diana type thing, and he already had a thing for her already. So he's like, done. And he was traveling to kind of the place where she was um, not getting engaged, but visiting the, the castle where... Yeah. The Pritam, Pritampur is the name of the kingdom. And yeah, and he was already going there to like meet her and thank her for all of her humanitarian work. Yeah, and he'd uh, previously at least seen her in action when he was helping at a flood that had happened. He, yeah. was, he was volunteering there and he saw her and he fell in love instantly. Uh, the prince is also being cor- uh, coronated as king of the entire kingdom. Right, that's why she's this, going there. During this entire uh, affair. And All of these plot deals, details sometimes, like, why is someone going to this kingdom, and what's going yeah. on? They they feel so much, like, so secondary yeah. to other things going on in the movies, which and is why sometimes we're like, wait, what was going on again? So, Anupam Kerr is essentially the grand vizier of this kingdom. Yeah, and the royal advisor. He uh, trains Prem how to act like the, uh, the prince, and uh, says, don't fall over that princess, I'll kill you. And the prince is lame. He has to eat boiled food for his digestion. There's a bit of... He's uh, pretty hot-blooded. He can't seem to, like, um, you know, rebuild his relationship with his estranged half-sisters who... um, He's banished to a 
shittier mansion. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's just, and he's really egotistical, really self-centered, and when Prem takes steps into his shoes, he kind of rehabilitates his character, especially in the eyes of the princess, and she starts to fall for him. But he's not the prince, Matt. He's not allowed. He's, oh. Yeah. So this movie um, looks amazing. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Special effects are really good. Yeah, yeah. The songs are okay. There are too many. There are. There's a song every five minutes, so I hopefully mean, you like songs. I mean, I know sometimes I complain that there aren't enough songs. Like, I would have liked more songs than, say, Bad Hero Mastani. Um, but then you get a film like, like this that has just way too many songs, and they all kind of bleed together. There isn't one I could point at and say, you know, that's the one. No, I guess I did kind of like the one where um, they're watching, like, a puppet show, and then um, Sonam Kapoor and Salman Khan are the puppets on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of fun. The opening song with the Ram Leela thing was good. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of the these love songs between Sonam Kapoor and Salman Khan just, I think, are really lame. It does and, pad out the three-hour running time. Oh, yeah, it, it totally does. And I'm I'm not the biggest Sonam Kapoor fan. Um, I really liked her in Nirja recently, but when she's on screen, I'm not really drawn to her. She just doesn't have that, that kind of screen presence that I think some other actresses do. And I don't particularly enjoy watching her dance. Um, Salman Khan's not the greatest dancer either. Uh, he at least had some magnetisms on screen. But the two of them, like, they seem so mismatched. And mm-hmm. again, like, I feel... No chemistry between them. Of all the love interests in these three films, I think Jacqueline Fernandez and Salman Khan had the most kind of spark. Yeah. I mean, none of them are romances that will go down in the annals of time. Yeah, none of them are Katrina Kaif and Ekta Tiger. Yeah, she's great in Ekta Tiger. Yeah, and the Um, two of them, you really kind of feel the connection. It is weird that he hasn't really found a female equivalent that he works with. Because you see uh, Nazanin Siddiqui in... Roles and kick and Bajrayi Bajan. He just this is a guy that I work well with. He can be a villain. He can be a helper. Yeah, that's good. But he's got three big stars as his romantic leads in these, and um, it's not like um, Ren, Ranveer and Deepika or Deepika and Ranveer Kapoor. There doesn't seem to be a female equivalent that uh, the industry has you know, used more than once. Yeah, they haven't found his Jody. Yes. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, he's going to be in Anushka Sharma coming up here in Sultan, so we'll Or maybe his Jody was Ashwara Rai. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, he, he Ashwara Jody, Rai. for uh, the people who haven't been caught with all the lingo, that is a perfect pairing of actor and actress, or just an acting duo. Yeah, and, and yeah, I would say of all the leading ladies we've seen opposite him... Ashwarya Ray really, really ranks up there, I think, for, for the chemistry they have, as as does, I think, Katrina Kaif in, in Ekta Tiger. Yeah. Um, both of which are actresses he was romancing off-screen as well. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Not. Maybe he wasn't uh, trying to sleep with Jacqueline Fernandez or Karina Kapoor or Sonia Kapoor. <laughs> maybe, maybe, he need, maybe he's like a... Maybe he's like a um, oh, what's her name? Who is in Cleopatra? Elizabeth Taylor and Richard maybe, Burton. Yeah, maybe she's like maybe he's like Elizabeth Taylor, and he kind of has to fall in love with his co-stars in order for it to look right. 
Salman Khan, Bollywood's Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Salman Khan, Bollywood's Richard Burton, I think, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, this film made 431 crore worldwide, about 63 million U.S., and I honestly think that that's based kind of solely on Salman Khan. Like, I, I really struggle to see what's special about this movie. Whereas I see how kick can be like, it's really silly, but it's a lot of fun. It's entertaining. It's, it's easy to watch. And I think if you go out for a night at the cinema, you're not going to leave disappointed. You're going to feel entertained. Mm -hmm. Um, Bajani Bajan, I think is, is really moving film. And I think, you know, it's very uplifting. It's very life affirming. Heartwarming. Um, Pram Matantan Payo, like, I mean, it's supposed to be a romance, right? With the exception of the soccer scene, I have a really hard time pinpointing anything else I kind of like about this movie. And the soccer scene, I, I like just Yeah, it's go silly. into the soccer scene explain okay. that. Because if anything, that's the takeaway from this, is that the soccer scene was really fun. Yeah. So, um, the prince has two half-sisters um, that are estranged for reasons that we eventually find out later on in the film. And according to tradition, you know, his sisters should be there to greet the princess when she comes. Um, but he can't get them to do that because they hold this grudge against him and essentially feel like they have not been treated equally because yeah. their mother was his father's mistress and not, you know, his full wife. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Prem wants to kind of rebuild these bridges, and he enlists Sonam Kapoor to help him put on this wacky... Yeah, Sonam Kapoor, who we should say, doesn't know that he is Prem until, like, the end of the movie. Like, she thinks that the prince has just had a change of heart, because she knows him a little bit from before, and she didn't really like him, but now that Prem is in control, like, she's starting to like him more and more. Yeah, she's really starting to fall for him. And so he enlists her help to essentially put on this wacky guys versus girls soccer scene at this soccer game at this uh, kind of... It's at the estate that the girls live at, just outside of their house. Yeah, where he's supposed to be giving a speech to a bunch of like visiting dignitaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he has tried to convince his sisters to come out of their house and join in the festivities. They say no. His younger sister, Radhika, loves soccer. And so, you know, when he's supposed to go up and give the speech, he said, you know what? We should play soccer like the peasants. And they split up in boys versus girls. And then the girls are losing. The guys just keep winning. And then eventually Radhika comes in and, you know, steals the show. And the girls beat up the guys. Starts, like, kicking Shaolin soccer style. Like, yeah. Like, the air goals. Pretty fun. Like, the the soccer game is ridiculous. Like, we... There's not really, like an equal amount of players on both sides. The women will use their, like, feminine wiles to get a goal in on the guys. and mm-hmm. Like, like fouls left and right. But the point of it is that it's well, so... Well, he also bribes the officiator <laughs> to says, yeah, just, you know, keep, uh, keep the goals coming on our side and keep penalties going for the girls. It's so ridiculous, but it has a lot of energy. And it's, it's just kind of, it's one of those things that, you know, only works because it's in a silly Bollywood movie. Um, but these are the kind of things that I think you want to see. Whereas a lot of the rest of the film is really, really kind of dry. My mind was wandering while watching this movie. And so the prince uh, has a small mustache. That's how you can tell that he's the prince and Prem right. is not the prince. And every time I saw him with that mustache and the earrings, I was thinking, 
you know what? He could do a Bollywood adaptation of the life of Freddie Mercury. <laughs> he looks pretty good as a guy with a mustache. And I kept thinking that to amuse myself during interminable song scenes. I say skip it. What did you think of uh, Neil Nitin Rukesh, who, um, <laughs> after this film, uh, this film had uh, one of the fight choreographers from Game of Thrones work on the fencing scenes. And Which, they were not astounding. Yeah. They seemed fine. Apparently, this uh, choreographer told Neil Mitchell that he would suggest him for Game of Thrones. And then Neil Mitchell went to the media and said he was cast in Game of Thrones. It yeah. turned out he wasn't. But, like, for a split second there, you know, other places on the internet were talking about this kind of, like, not super popular, not super well-known Bollywood star. And yeah. it was always really interesting because uh, a lot of the kind of news sources I saw pick this up didn't really know what the star level of Neil Nitin Mukesh was. Yeah. Um, do you see Game of Thrones level quality in his performance here? Um, I guess what? He was being pitched as Quentin Martell, who is someone who has not come up on the show as of this recording. And is a character that one of the only things I liked about the last book. So... I think he could do it. I think there would just be a disconnect between the depravity, violence, nudity, and everything on Game of Thrones versus the relatively G-rated Bollywood films that we've seen him in. I don't think he's a huge rep- reputation. Don't I don't think about, so though. either. No, it's it's not that. But it you can see with uh, Praga Chopra, Deepika, they are going towards similar types of projects, like you know a Baywatch remake. Yeah, she fills out a swimsuit pretty nicely. Like, it's it's not that much of a tonal shift, whereas Game of Thrones is very, very uh, explicit in things that Bollywood generally isn't. So, if he could do that, I would be impressed. But there was nothing in this performance that made me think, you know, this guy should be an American TV show. Yeah, I would like to see some... Indian actors on Game of Thrones. I think that would be really interesting. You know who would be amazing? Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Nawazuddin yeah. Siddiqui would be awesome on Game of Thrones. Or uh, someone like Huma Qureshi. Randy Puda. Randy Puda, yeah. Or um, or Nimrat Kaur uh, from The Lunchbox and also TV's Homeland. Yeah, I mean, while Game of Thrones is an, not what you would call a subtle show in a lot of respects, <laughs> it does kind of require different things from an actor. I just and, don't see a lot of depth in Neil Nitin Bukesh's performance yeah. here. That doesn't mean he isn't capable of it, but what I see here does not make me go, oh yeah, cast that guy in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think you want someone who is more from the parallel cinema world. Yeah. Your Huma Qureshi, your Nawazuddin Siddiqui, etc. Yeah, um, all the actors we just listed. Get get any right cash up to direct an episode. That would be sweet. That would be amazing. They are supposed to be doing an Indian remake of Game of Thrones. I don't know... At what production stage that is in. But that sounds amazing. Um, I'd still really like to see. But it would be television, so I don't think it would have the production budget of the Bollywood films. But I'm still fascinated by yeah, it. Yeah, I would be very interested in watching that. Yeah, so I think overall we have very little to say about Prem Ratan Tanpayo, unfortunately. It just, it, it felt very skippable to me. And I was, I was disappointed because I think of all the films I've seen on this highest grossing list and we've seen a lot of them mm-hmm. uh this i'd have to say is the most like even chennai express which i don't really like um i still think is a lot more interesting than this film i mean this is about as interesting as bang bang but bang bang has really good chemistry between the leads and uh 
Some crazy think, stunts. Yeah, the stunts are more exciting, and there's just some weird oddball stuff in that movie. That and the songs are great. The songs bang, are great bang. in Bang Bang. There's very few of them, but they are great. Yeah, this one I think is just a misfire all around. Um, yeah, but I, it, it, it doesn't worked, matter. It worked fine. So, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Our opinion doesn't matter on this. Salman Khan is uh, is gonna make money. Salman's gonna do Salman. What's Salman got coming up this year? He's got the wrestling one. Yeah, Sultan, which is a wrestling biopic. I'm that really looking really forward to seeing that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wrestling is a thing that comes up in Kick as well. But I'm very excited to see what comes up from Salman in the future. But of these three, I would definitely recommend Bajani Bajan and maybe Kick if you were looking for something with a little bit more uh, with a little bit more Kick. Um, yeah. Um, Kick is a fun time at the movies, but Bajani Bajan, I think, has a lot of substance. Randy Poot is also going to be in, in Sultan. Nice. I find it really interesting that the most commercial actor in Bollywood cinema works frequently uh, with two of kind of, I think, of the most, like, least commercial actors. Like, two of the more kind of um, artistic, yeah. <laughs> artistic-minding actors, and that's Randy Puda and Nawazuddin Siddiqui. I don't know if he's ever made a movie with Irfan Khan. Um, but I like the... They're buds. That, that's what I like to think. It's just that, you know, you, uh, you keep doing your parallel cinema stuff and I'll bring you by to, you know, be a villain in my movie. Um, I think hanging out with Salman Khan would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just being his buddy. I like the, the juxtaposition on screen, though, of those two kind of, um, personalities, though. I think it really works. I think it gives the films some texture. Maybe that's one of the things missing from Prem Ratantan Bio. Yeah, because there's no good like male his, counterpart. You've got his buddy, but he is usually dressed up as an old man, and he's got like kind of a romance thing on his own. But he's not interesting enough to carry a third of the movie, yeah. which is centered around him. And Neil so, Lister Makesh is not a great villain. He's a terrible villain, yeah. um, both in execution and just uh, you know acting style. Um, I mean. Maybe that was the point. Maybe we're supposed to think that he's just a dilettante, a rich guy, but yeah. So that brings us to the end of our show. Um, we're really curious. If you have seen any of these three films or if you have any uh, opinions on the top 15 highest grossing Indian films of all time that we were talking about at the top of the show or on Salman Khan in general. Do you like his films? Mm -hmm. Do you dislike them? What is it about him that you think people like? Yeah, please drop us a line and let you know what, let us know what you think. Uh, we're very curious. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're really fascinated by, by Salman Khan. He's a very We're, we're interested interesting... in all the cons basically because yeah. their dominance over box office is kind of absolute. Yeah. And it's interesting to see where people fall on the spectrum of liking each one, because it seems like people generally pick one they like the best. Mm -hmm. So, Matt, if people want to leave their feedback on Salman Khan, these films, and the highest-grossing Indian films of all time, where where can they do that? How can they keep up with the show? Sure. They can find us on Twitter, at BollywoodPod. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-E-S. And I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-I-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. You can also find us on Tumblr, just search Bollywood is for Lovers, and on Facebook, also search Bollywood is for Lovers. You can find us on Stitcher, that's a way you can listen to this show, and we always appreciate a good rate and review on iTunes, so if you like the show, please let us know there. We will be back in two weeks uh, to talk about a director we talked about previously in this episode, Kabir Khan, the director of Bajani Bajan, and we will be looking at... Uh, Three of his films that deal with um, kind of global politics. International issues. Um, 
And that is 2015's Phantom, Mm -hmm. New York, which deals with the September 11th attacks, and Kabul Express, which deals with kind of post-Taliban Afghanistan. Um, This is going to be a very interesting episode. Phantom also deals with India-Pakistan relations, and I find it a very different movie from Bajrani Bajan. Uh, This is going to be a really interesting episode. Real cheerful cheerful episode coming up for you. So thanks again for listening, and we'll hear back from you in two weeks. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.